Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly discussion all about success, modern business and the secret lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore, I'll be your host for the day and I'm joined this afternoon by Vernon Hill, the serial entrepreneur, master retailer and most recently the founder of Metrobank. Vernon founded his first business when he was just a teenager and had set up his first bank by the age of 26. As you'll find out, he's not much interested in sticking to conventions. At the time he set up Metro, it was the first bank to be established in the United Kingdom since 1840, which, as Vernon is keen to remind us, is before Buckingham Palace was completed. In this episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, Vernon describes his early career with Ray Kroc, the man behind McDonald's, how his dog Duffy is at the centre of his business model, and why you should probably abandon your high street bank immediately, if not before. Vernon, thanks very much for joining us. Well, I mean, we're joining you. We're sat at your remarkable L-shaped desk above the first ever Metro Bank, which is quite exciting. But I want to go back all the way to the start, back to your the start of your career. And you seem to have founded more businesses by the time you were 20 than almost anybody does in their lifetime. What was the first entrepreneurial venture of Vernon Hill? I do like to start things from scratch. It's too, Joseph, and thank you for coming to see us oh, t- today. it's a pleasure. When I got... When I, when I went to college, I, I went to Wharton, and just by chance, Donald Trump and Steve Wynn and I were all there together, Right. and somehow we all started about the same time going our own routes. Who's been the most successful there so far, as a quick interjection? Well, Steve Wynn was, until right. he recently had his problems, but I think he's created the most real wealth. Okay. But all of us have the same gene i guess we want to start businesses we want to change things we want to make something new uh i I worked in banks part-time when i went to warden and uh actually when i was going to college i worked in a bank making loans i used to go to class at eight nine ten o'clock in the morning in this little bank the joke was you couldn't get a loan until vernon got there from class and it is true when i talk to students i often say that Everybody in the room has a unique skill, a unique talent. And the ones that learn what that is and match it up with what they do in life turn out to be stars. I had somehow, by luck, a natural talent to match the mechanics of the banking business and see it as a retailing business, not a bank. My first uh, business out of school, I I started a business developing new store sites for chain clients. McDonald's was my first client. Yeah. And my book talks about, I actually drove Ray Kroc around a few times. Yeah. And that's a business I still have where we develop new store sites in, it, sure. in America. For McDonald's or for? Well, we did it originally for McDonald's, but yeah. we do it for lots of chains now. McDonald's wow. doesn't need me anymore. Okay, <laughs> no, they're doing okay. Um, yeah. But I always had the idea, I like banks. I really like the way banks work. And America is a country of lots of banks. And I woke up literally one morning, uh, I think I'm going to go start a new bank from scratch. They gave me a banking license. I was 26 at the time. I raised 1.5 million American dollars. And they gave me a banking license. So I had one office, a million and a half in capital, uh, no brand, and not much clue. At the time, there were 23 thousand separate banks in America, 23,000 separately owned banks in America. 
Wow. And we were 23,001. Okay. <laughs> and how are we going to compete against the world? Over the years, we learned to change banking into the model that you see here in Britain, turn it into a high-growth retailing business by making it fun, getting rid of every stupid bank rules. And without acquiring, but when we sold out in 2007, we went from the smallest bank in America to the 18th largest bank in America. So I must have had a talent to somehow look at right, it a yeah. different way. Some of my other businesses, I'm in lots of other businesses, the ones that you might be interested in. Uh, pet insurance was invented in Britain. Hmm. And I am a chairman of Pet Plan in, in America where we're trying to convince Americans they should buy pet health insurance. <laughs> One third of the pets in Britain have health insurance. In America, the coverage is 1%. Wow. So we're on a long, yeah. a long journey to convince Americans their pets should be insured. Why is that? What is it about Americans that they, don't, they love their pets more than yes. their family members? So why don't they want to the insure them? The pets are our kids. Yeah. It was invented, pet insurance was invented in Britain. And the two countries that have the most coverage are Britain and Sweden. Okay. It was just slow to develop in America and it was never really sold. It's just an education yeah. process. Brits buy insurance more than Americans do, too. Really? I would have thought that was the other absolutely, way around. Absolutely. You love to insure things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, it's fertile territory, then, America. You've got a... 192 yeah. million pets don't have health insurance in America. God, that's a lot of pets. That's a lot of work. Okay. Well, good luck on that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what was it about America back then that was um, so entrepreneurial? Was there a certain spirit in the air, do you think, that allowed a 26-year-old to start a bank? Yes. The entrepreneurial climate has always been very, very strong in America, much more in Britain. Mm -hmm. And you can see it in everything that happens in America. Yeah. America like, likes people to try things. They're happy when we do well. There's something new. <laughs> and if you fail, the world does not end. That's something we have to deal with in Britain. If you start a business and fail, the world's over for you. So. Americans like to do new things. Yeah. They like to try. We like to succeed. Do you and think Brits don't like success as much? It's a they question in my mind. Do they? What do they dislike the most? Success or when you fail? <laughs> <laughs> but they they don't like either. So you think I wouldn't go that far? Yeah. Don't put those words in of my course. mouth. No, no, don't no. put those words in my mouth. But, um, but you're right in that we don't celebrate. We wealth don't celebrate success. success. Or... We don't celebrate success. Yeah. And wealth has a different meaning in Britain than it does in America. We don't talk about how much money we earn, do we, in England? People, some of my British friends, I've been here a long time, and yeah. my British friends say to me, Vernon, let me explain Britain. <laughs> in America, it's where you're going. In Britain, it's where you're from. And there wow. is, like all these things, some truth to it. That's very true. So that was the first bank, 26, you got your banking license. What was your first step? Did you, I, I mean, how did you raise, raise the, the money? money? I had to raise the money. I went around to my friends and begged and asked and got the money. But were they putting in $500 or more? Oh, than no, that? no. Bigger amounts? I mean, I thought you might have lots of friends with. with no, some you wouldn't do it change. that way in America. 25000 up to 100000 okay. And those people who gambled with me in, the, in those years, and they held till we sold in 07. Their investment went up 470 times, not percent, times. 
That's a good return on investment. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw a talk with you and you said that you sold it at the point when the Dow, the week when the Dow was at its highest in history. Was that planning? Was that blind luck? That's complete luck. Okay. Absolutely <laughs> complete luck. But do you make your own luck? Do you think you, you, you could sense somewhere in your subconscious that this was... This was going to be a good time. I've been the chief executive of this bank for a long time. I was getting tired of dealing with the yeah. government. You could feel that there was something happening out there. Yeah. I was just tired. Uh, but it was luck. But had you held it on even for kind of... That was 2007. Had you held it on for 18 months longer, you might have... Got half the price. Yeah. Correct. At the height of the banking crisis. Right. C- correct. But you don't know those things. And actually, <laughs> it was the best thing that happened to me. I had nothing to do for a week. And a friend of mine in London had been... On me for years, you've got to bring this service yeah. model to Britain where the banks don't know what the word service means. No. And here I am. Exactly. So then you came over to the UK. So the story was my friend had been telling me, you got to come to the UK. You have, we have five big banks. They're really bad. This is a true story. I went out and shopped the big five banks. I'd only been to London twice in my life, I think. Wow. I went out and shopped the big five banks. I went back to the hotel and laughed for an hour <laughs> because they are just unbelievably bad. Went to the government the next day and said, I'd like to get a bank license. They said, yes, we like the idea. We're getting a lot of press suggesting we need new players. Could you bring the American forms over to show us what we have to do? <laughs> Why? Because they hadn't ever... 1840 was yeah. the last one they claimed they've approved. <laughs> <laughs> so you literally had to... You had to teach them through the process. Of I wouldn't say I had to teach them, but I had to help them. Yeah, of course. And it took about 18 months. And this was in 07 and 08, yeah. where the world was coming to an end. And to their credit, they were actually great to deal with. Yeah. Um, so we then set out the quest to do it. This is the fifth bank I've done from scratch. And it's hard because mm. there's a lot to a bank. So when we started the quest to do it, The risk were, could we get a bank license? Could we raise the money, raise the 100 million pounds? Could we put in a modern, affordable IT system? The British banks have IT that I've described as one step above a quill, and they are really antiques. Yeah. And could we recruit people to deliver this clearly American model? That all happened. We opened in 2010, the summer of 2010, and then the risk was, would the British public accept this different idea, this new idea, this American idea? Mm. And thank God from the day we opened, it's been straight up. It's been great. The customers say to us, finally, we have a choice. Mm. That's what, was, what we're about. What was so wrong with the, I already know the answer to this, having banked with a certain bank for many years, but what was so wrong with the traditional British banking model? What made They've you laugh had in the cartel going here for 50 or more years and they've underinvested they over, they underinvest they underserve they overcharge and they at, at their core they have a philosophy we're doing you a favor by letting you bank with them now you know yeah, that's, that's true, true right yeah it's an inconvenience anytime you speak to them they almost sign don't down the us. Uh, yeah. and we don't as you you're holding on my book our entire models yeah. about building finance And they're burdened with IT systems that I've said are one step above a quill. Mm. I'm not sure they can ever be fixed. The companies are so big and the IT is so antique. It's just a monumental problem to fix it. So we got to start with a fresh slate. Although we brought our American model, we have fresh IT, fresh people, 
our brand wasn't burned by the crashes of 08, and we got to start from scratch. Yeah. So what if I walked into a retail bank in US, what am I getting that I'm not getting here? Well, let's getting... talk about what happens if you walk in Metro Bank in That's London. That's a better way to do So it. we were the extreme example yeah. of an American bank. So just a lo- it's lots of little things. Mm. We're open seven days a week. The stores are bright. They're open. They're mm. open seven days, eight to eight. You open your current account in 15 minutes and you're out the door. Yeah. All the stuff you think you have to go through a bank opening, there's no truth to it. We're friendly. We want you. We want you to bring your dog. We have free coin counting machines. Yeah, I've used those. It's Apple. The best way to think of our model, particularly Metro Bank, is really the Apple of banking. Customers love Apple because they've united all the parts together to make this a fun, seamless experience. Mm. And that's what the Metro Bank model is. And how? And in a country where the Brits said, the Pris said, oh, the Brits won't switch banks. You're more inclined to get divorced than you are to switch banks. Yeah, that's true. 1.4 million people have switched to us. Wow. And going up. So what what do I, um, how, how when you walk in the bank, what, what touches did you introduce that are completely different, that were never, ever seen before in the UK? One form of photo ID. Yeah. You sit down, and in 15 minutes, we approve your credit, we approve your anti-money laundering, we print your debit and credit card, you put your PIN number in, we put your mobile app in mm. your phone, and you're out the door, you're active. Yeah. And why have traditional banks put up all the barriers beforehand then? You said they made up the rules and they're not true. Um, You should ask them that question. (laughs) But it would appear as a cartel, they said, why should we bother to change? Yeah. And they have IT that won't let them do it. Okay, so that's a big part of it. Other than that, you'll have to ask them. It's very, very difficult to change a big company or a big bank in size. I'm not sure I could fix them. No. I'm not sure they'll come on the podcast, though, so I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to write them a letter. Though that might not work either. Um, the, one of the most distinctive things about Metro Bank is the branding. The very, I guess it is red, white, and blue. It's American. British, too. And British. But, and it, feels, British. but it feels much more you know, fun and happy. There's a character. You've got a little mascot, almost. I mean, British banks would never dream of doing something like that. Correct. Was this all your idea? Was it a big branding exercise? No, we developed it in America over years. We yeah. developed this whole model, this whole brand branding, and it all evolved over a long period of time. And we brought our exact American model mm. over colors, red, white, and blue. And yeah. Everything's the same, the dog, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's meant to be fun. Yeah, of course. And as you're holding my book, I said earlier, our entire model is built around not how we sell you a product. It's about how we build more fans. And fans are so important to any growth business. Fans join your brand, fans remain loyal, and fans bring their friends. Yeah. There is no such thing as a growth business that doesn't build fans. Right. Now, if you think the banks in Britain are building fans, you must be going to a different bank than I've yeah. seen here. No, they're not building fans <laughs> exactly. at all. So which brands, or I guess which businesses are particularly good in this country at building Fans. John Lewis is. Yeah. John John Lewis is a brand you, you, you like. Yeah. Um, that's the one that comes to my mind immediately. Yeah. It is a funny factoid. No Amer- no British bank or British retailer has ever succeeded in America on scale. Really? Because they just don't have the same level of customer service. And they can't compete. Yeah. You know, the market's fairly closed here. They just can't compete. The other thing that's different than American Britain 
Britain was built around the train. America was built around the car. And when the Brits come to America, they just can't quite get it. <laughs> what do you mean? Everything's far more spaced apart. It's all about retail Parking. parks. And but think about it this way on a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. When you live in a country created by trains, you go where the train goes, at what time the train goes, when you're told by the train. Yeah. When you have a car-driven society, you do whatever you want, every hour, <laughs> yeah. every way. Okay. Well, that's a good analogy of the British culture versus the American yeah. culture. Amazing. And, and, and customer service in the U.S. Is, is meant to be a lot better. I don't know if that comes from a tipping culture. or a, You have to compete. If you yeah. don't compete, you die. Right. I mean, that, that's what's happened. So how then do you, do you educate your staff or get your staff on board with an American model when they've grown up? been educated in a British system that works completely differently. So again, in my book, we talk about how you build a great brand from scratch. Mm. You have to create a differentiated value-added model. It has to be clearly different. Our yeah. staff has to get it. Our clients have to get it. Culture, you build that next to support the model. It's pervasive and everywhere. Lots of businesses, the model goes one way and the culture goes another way. Then you have to be fanatic about executing the model. The number used to keep me awake in America is our banks were getting 21 million in-store customers a month. There were 21 million people walking through my doors every yeah. month. How do you make them happy? How do you make them better? And the most loyal fans are those where we did something wrong and the way we responded okay. made them a fan for life. Yeah. In other words, the whole model is built around this idea of fans. Not what you see here, what product am I going to sell you next week? Yeah. I'm sure you've been called at home enough times, right? Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Quite right. And there's, I saw a stat that 8,000 high street banks have closed in the last 20 years or something in the UK. How, and Metro Bank is opening new ones all the time. You're going the other way while other banks are closing. And isn't that the way you create great wealth? Going against the tide? Yeah. Well, that's me. But a bit, yeah, well, there we go. I think that's probably answered my question. No, what happens is your question assumes that every bank branch is exactly the same. Mm. That's not true. The retailers are all different. The banks here have underinvested in their retail for forever. I mean, you can go on a branch, you go anywhere, RBS, you know, they haven't spent eight cents there forever. The customer today wants the experience. It's not yeah. about the product, it's the experience. And how you deliver the experience, in-store, mobile, online, telephone, yeah. and how you put the parts together. Apple is a success because they've integrated all the parts. Of course. I'm looking now at a photo right behind your head of a dog. Is this your dog? Duffy Sir Duffield, correct? <laughs> Sir Duffield. Sir D D Duffield, and right. he is the Metro Bank Poppy. Okay. He tweets every day. Three thousand friends. People tweet back to him every day. Okay. Well, I'm so I'll follow him. the banks have an endless list of stupid rules. Endless. <laughs> and we're on a never-ending quest to kill every stupid bank rule. And one okay. of the rules they have is you can't bring your dog into a bank branch yeah. for no reason whatsoever. So we want you to bring your dog in. We give them treats, we go water bottles take home, we have dog events in the store, and we call it dog's rule. Yeah. So on one hand, the banks won't let you bring your dog in, yeah. and on the other hand, Metro says, we love your dog. And the customers say, if they love my dog, they must love me. So yeah. all this is about retailing and fun. Yeah, but that's a tiny decision. To put dog poles in the stores 
is a tiny, tiny decision. It's not a big top line thing that's going to move the dial on a business. Yet that has become kind of what what you're known for. Do you think for- more businesses need to look at the the kind of granular detail to use a horrible phrase, or do you think? I have, they have to look at their business model. Yeah. You can't look at the parts. It's all how they are, they're all integrated together. Yeah. So you have to understand your model, how you create value, and how you build fans. So the dog alone wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's integrated into everything else. Yeah. And I'll tell you a little story on that subject. You know we have free coin counting machines inside yeah. of our stores, and you don't have to bank with us to use them another reason to get you in because remember we're in the new account opening business we don't open accounts we don't have a have a bank so let's say you're working for one of the big five banks and you're getting requests for free coin counting machines you go to your boss and say let's spend eight million and put in free coin counting machines here's what happens in britain your boss says hire a consultant write a report and hire a consultant and come back to see me Right? We all, we, all, we, all, we, all, we all agree that's what happened. So he yeah. does, you do that. You come back, you write a report, you have a consultant. Yeah, you should do it. You need it to compete. Your boss says, take it to the committee for, the, for approval. You go to a committee and say, let's spend eight, 10 million and put in these machines. The committee says, what's our return on our investment? You say, no, no, they're free. We just make more friends. That's the end of your career there. Right. <laughs> because only I can make that decision. Yeah. And the entrepreneurs that own their business, only they can make that decision. Of course. And do you, your staff members come to you with suggestions for things like that a lot? Are you open yeah, to those kind of ideas? Sir. And not only do they come with us ideas of new things, but we have a no stupid rule. We have a whole <laughs> department about killing stupid stu- 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 rules, and we get ideas from our staff, yeah. our customers, and we pay them both to give us dumb rules to kill. Okay. What what stupid rules have you got rid of then? Well, recently? why shouldn't you be open every day of the week? Why shouldn't you let the dogs in? I mean, mm. it's no big things. It's a lot of little things. Yeah. And your opening hours are later in the day as well. Because my bank shuts at 4.30. Because they don't want you to come in. Really? Yeah. I, but that, that's the fundamental thing I don't think people really understand. And I don't understand why they make it deliberately unpleasant. Is there a, is there a business reason If you have a that? cartel in any business, why should you waste money... Yeah. On upgrades, on service, if your market share can't move. Yeah. That's what's happened here. Exactly. So then we talked about the Metro Bank, Bank branding. How do you, if you were going to create a new brand from scratch in any sector, what would be your first step? Would you start with a color scheme? Model. I'd start model. with my business model. Okay. You can't have a brand unless you know who you yeah. are and what you are. So we knew what we were. Uh, and we knew we wanted to have this upscale, fun brand. So uh, the red, white, and blue came from America. It was exactly like my bank in America. I always wanted to use the name Metro. It was bouncing around my head for years, okay. and no one else had it. It's short. It gets to the point. It gives our message. Our tagline is join the revolution. In other words, join means do something. The revolution says what you're joining. And every great brand has a simple story that makes the point and the customers get it. Yeah. What I'm interested in the moment is there's kind of these challenger banks, so-called challenger banks in the fintech sector that are very much digitally based. Yes, I'm listening. That's right. (laughs) We're the most advanced online and digital bank in Britain. 
most of these fintech guys are apps only. Think about yeah. them as icing with no cake. Okay. Now, some of them are going to get some share, but in the end, the banks get it all. There is no one in Britain like us, a full-service commercial and consumer yeah. bank, that has the best of every channel. Remember, and I'll tell you a fact to your listeners, no online bank has ever succeeded in America or Britain. None. But that may be changing with apps like Monzo, which has been very successful, now, and certainly gaining a lot They keep of, saying they're very successful. But they've but got a lot of, lot of users. They had a prepaid card. That's completely different than a bank account. But they've now opened a current account. I have in my wallet. There you are. I'm so on their current account. And maybe they'll be successful. Mm. But there's everybody's taken share from the big five here. So yeah. there's plenty of room. Okay. And we so, all do it a different way. Yeah. But they don't keep you up at night, that kind of challenger bank? No. What does? What what threatens Metro Bank? Well, there's two areas of threat to Metro Bank now. On the one hand, we've got the European government, the American government, and the UK government. Yeah. What are they going to do stupid next? Um, the other side is how do we grow at these rates, continue to improve our brand, yeah. de deliver it, and make our fans stronger? When you're growing at rates that no one has ever seen before, you always worry about are you going to mess it up? Yeah. So thank God so far we haven't. Yeah. What do you think... Um the British banking landscape will look like in five to ten years. Are we going to see these the big five, the cartel as you call them, disintegrate? They're going to be shrunk for sure. They're in the process of being shrunk. And what they've tried the to spin parts off, like the one across the street, TSB. Again, IT pro is such a deep problem here. You wonder. It's very hard to do a bank on scale from scratch. Yeah. There'll be more players. Definitely, there'll be more players, but. Some of the smaller players will merge in to reduce the number of players. So mm -hmm. you'll probably still have the big five, and you may have one or two like us, and then you'll have sort of the fringe players. Yeah. The niche players would be a better way to say it. And are there kind of disruptive or new technologies that are being invented that will completely turn it on its head? I mean, we use our smartphones for everything now, so it seems natural. And you can use your smartphone with Metro to, op of course. to, open, to open your account straight through and yeah. do everything else. You're confusing a business model with a way you deliver the right. model. So we have to be up and we have to be in front of we have to be in front of all these things. Yeah. But but they evolve. Banking's been around since, since the beginning of time. Yeah. Exactly, and it's going to be here. And it's just a question. Right, it's just a question of what form it takes. Exactly. So you're a member of um, I think it's called the 2020. Yes, I Club. am. Can you tell us about that? And how it feels I have to be it framed league. right behind my head, so I'm, this is one thing I'm proud oh, of. Oh, there we go. You know, I can see so it. So Forbes puts out Forbes in America puts out a 2020 club list once a year. These are CEOs of public businesses that have served for 20 plus years and have a 20 plus yeah annual average shareholder return over all those years. So in that year, the year behind me, I believe it's 07, mm -hmm. Seven people made that, and some this. The one guy above me, who I never heard of, Warren somebody, <laughs> Warren Buffett. Yeah. So our average annual return for all our years was 23% a year. And the message of this is we turned the relatively mundane, unexciting business of retail banking into yeah. a high growth, high return business. Yeah. So you're just below Warren Buffett in, yeah. That's the best I could do, I guess. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Yeah. 
What's the definition of a fan in, in business, do you think? Someone who recommends a f- Metro a Banks to their friends? A fan is someone who joins your brand, remains loyal, and brings their friends. Yeah. And someone who's proud to have a, to hand over a Metro Bank card. Every Apple, every Apple user is trying to get their friends to switch, right? Yeah. I use a Google Pixel XL2 phone. I mean, that's not a plug, <laughs> but I do. Well, and you're, but, uh, yeah, and you're and proud as it's of course. Exactly, exactly. There, there is no such thing as a great brand that yeah. doesn't build fans. Do people, do your customers often say that, oh, I was recommended by a friend? Yeah, and they say to us, we're, we're, and they're proud to say they're fans, and we're recommending Metro to our friends. Yeah. I've ha- I, ha- I had a bunch today already. I mean, they're proud of it. Yeah. You mentioned Apple before. Are they, are they the best at it, do you think, in the world? So net promoter score, net promoter score is, hold on, stop for a minute. Vernon's looking through a very colorful filing cabinet now. Net promoter score, net promoter score is the way we all use it to measure our brand value. And we all do it about the same. And it's what percentage of your customers will recommend you to a friend, net. So I'm going to hand you a slide that says number one in the world Mm -hmm. is Apple at 89%. Number two in the world is Metro at 82%. Wow. The British banks have negative net promoter scores. <laughs> their, their customers are telling their friends to leave. So it all stacks up. Yeah. Incredible. What, what, what are the biggest mistakes do you think that young entrepreneurs make more than they any other? They don't have a business model. And they can't tell you what's different. And they can't tell you about how the model's going to make money. Okay. And most of them have received no training whatsoever Tech guys have great ideas about apps, but what does it do? How are you going to make money? Yeah. How are you going to support it? They have half the story. And I'm not saying that's wrong. They have to learn. But the ones that succeed over a period of time get it to the next step. Yeah. So that's your that's the piece of advice you give most often. Give me a business model. That makes sense. Yeah. And adds value. Have you, has anyone ever come to you with a complete plan that you thought, God, this is good. I may as well yeah. support this. Yeah, exactly. Yes. What, can you tell us some of those? Yeah, I invested in Pet Plan in America, yeah. and two Brits started from scratch. They came with a plan that made sense that we're yeah. going to convert Americans to buying pet insurance. Yeah, Very so simple. they 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 had a pr- 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 proven model and a plan that made sense. Okay, and what what ideas do you do you find you're getting pitched more than any others? What's well, the there's least an endless original? number of fintech ideas and, yeah. and apps. Are we in a bit of a fintech bubble now? Too soon to tell. Okay. But it seems like every everyone's got a fintech app that's getting funded. And and it's just not fintech. It's all kinds of apps. There's apps out there you can arrange to have your dog walk. Yeah. Everybody's got an idea. Okay. And everybody can build build an app. Yeah. But can they build a business from, from it? No. That's not where always. most of them fail. Well, which kind of ideas and conventions would you like to banish from the world of business? None. None? <laughs> None, no. No. no, but there's nothing, no cliches you hear over and again, not even phrases that people try and pitch to you that you're very bored of. We do have a couple of phrases. In the <laughs> book, we talk about phrases. One of the ones I don't, I use is, hope is not a plan. Okay. When an entrepreneur says, I hope I'm going to get it, or an employee says, I hope I'm going to get the yeah. account, that means they don't have a plan. Okay. Do people say that a lot? You say a lot, a lot. So what should you say and said? What should I be saying? Not, not go hope. get a plan. It makes sense. Okay, fine. Not, <laughs> I hope it works out. When they use the word hope, it means they don't have a plan. Yeah. 
That's probably right? true. <laughs> Do you think it's harder or easier now with all this technology to become a successful entrepreneur? You spoke about your college days and the people that were there with you. I think in Britain it's much more open now. Okay. There's a lot of people out there. It's now in fashion to mm. do a startup to try. I think that's absolutely 100% great. Yeah. And I think in, in London, those of you who've been in London long and I would say it's very strong here. Yeah. On the other hand, when you compare it to the West Coast of America, where they're all nuts out there with ideas, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Yeah. Okay. But, but the kids today want to start businesses, want to create money, yeah. and particularly in America, getting wealthy is a great goal. Okay. We need to make it a great goal in Britain. You don't think it is? I think it is more, more and more so. More than it was, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. So. Are there kind of daily habits that entrepreneurs have? Do you think that other entrepreneurs don't have? Do, is there a routine that you follow? What works for you? What are the tips and tricks? Well, let me put it this way. This is a little bit of a joke. I hope my British listeners don't get upset <laughs> with me. Here's the difference between entrepreneurs in America and Britain. Okay. We tend to start with the result we want and work our way backward. The British tradition is much more, let's start at the beginning, have a bunch of meetings and see what comes out at the end. So I get asked all the time, why are you the first one to do a new bank in Britain since 1840? I soon learn in British that means why are you an American to do the first one since 1840? And here's the difference. And this is a little bit of a joke. If a typical Brit wanted to start a new bank, you'd get 10 friends, hire 10 consultants, and find 100 reasons why it wouldn't work. Yeah. The American culture is, eh, let's, let's just go try it. Yeah. People ask me, well, what did you do in Metro and market research and consultants and all the stuff you taught at Harvard and Oxford? We didn't do any of that. We just got on with it. Okay. <laughs> do you think you're, people are born with that entrepreneurial drive or do you think you, you learn it? Do you think I think there's some of both. Right. But you clearly had it from a quite an early age. My father told me never work for someone else. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Is there not something to be said for learning through a Everybody's very different. Yeah. Remember what I told you before. Everybody has a unique talent. Okay. And when they match that up what they do in life, whether it's business or yeah, education yeah. or journalism or whatever, they're going to be a star. I'd like to now go to the kind of final part of our interview, which is when we ask these quick fire, heartfelt questions and you have to answer <laughs> as honestly as possible. I wonder who in the world of business do you most admire? Even though he's not alive, I think Steve Jobs has done. I like people that have changed yeah. businesses. Ray Kroc at McDonald's is yeah. a good example. Steve Jobs was certainly, everybody who wants to start or manage a business could, should go read the Steve Jobs book. Mm. He was nuts most of his life, and everybody told him he was nuts. And he created the largest market cap company in the world yeah. by sticking to his view. Did you meet him ever? No, never met him. I met Bill Gates. I've been to Bill Gates' yeah. house. You could say the same thing about you, about him. But Jobs had a certain flair. Okay. How did Bill Gates lose the um, lose all his market share to, to Steve Jobs in the end? He really hasn't. I mean, you, it 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 appears that way. But Microsoft now is a very big yeah. company. But he did lose the buzz. Yeah. Right. He definitely did. He lost the it buzz. It wasn't cool. He didn't have fans. He didn't have fans. No, you don't Jobs recommend did. friends to go check out Windows And 95. there are other people. Those two come to my mind yeah. now. And as a small side note to that, what did you learn from Ray Kroc, who, of course, was immortalized by Michael Keaton? In First of all, Ray Kroc was dead broke when he started McDonald's. Yeah. If you haven't watched the movie and you care about this, amazing. you should watch it. It's pretty true. Mm. He was completely dead broke. 
He was fanatic about our model, and he expanded it with no money. They made a brilliant decision in the early days. They decided McDonald's corporate was going to own the land and building and c collect rent from their store operators. That's where McDonald's creates yeah. all its wealth, in rent. Yeah. That's not very common in the fast food business. No, definitely not. But you're too young to remember, fast food really didn't exist till Croc came along. No. Right? Well, I don't know, but... Well, you don't know. We're not asking <laughs> you. Uh, uh, I like people that attack and change. The Home Depot people, the two yeah. guys who started Home Depot, created a company with an $80 billion market cap from zero. Yeah. They created a whole new way to deliver. Now, you see it in tech things. You see it in the cell phone area. Mm. Uh, I'm more on the retail side. But people that reinvent okay. how things are done. Yeah. And what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing this then? I'd be starting some other business doing something else. Yeah. I'm not sure what. Do you ever have any passions to be an artist, a sportsman? Zero. No? Spitfire <laughs> pilot? For an hour. For an hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. The only reason I say that is that Ray has... Ray? Not Vern. Ray. Vern. I'm thinking of Ray Kroc. Yeah, exactly. Vernon has a Spitfire seat, windshield, and wheel. We call them a windscreen in Britain. Don't, windscreen. Don't, don't, don't we what did I say? Windshield? Yeah. That's American. Yes. It's infectious. <laughs> All the red, white, and blue branding around me. Um, so what's been your biggest failure or regret, do you think, so far? Yeah, I've never really had any big fa failure regret. You know, you always wish you could have done things better or quicker. Uh, none of them come to mind. Okay. Everyone seems to say that. I guess it's easier to say that than to... Well, and maybe it's true. Yeah, that's true. So what's your biggest success then? That's probably an easy one. Coming to London and Metro from zero, I mean a blank desk. I have a desk, actually. Creating this completely new idea in Britain and creating three billion pounds of market cap from scratch. Yeah. You have to say that's fun. Yeah, of course. What's one thing you look at, whether it's a business or an item or an object that you wish you'd created? I'm not sure I have an answer to that. If you would ask me what's the next change in Britain, the whole personal wealth management delivery system in Britain's a wreck. Right. Somebody has to rebuild the whole thing. Will that be you? Probably not. Probably not. I'm not There's an expert chance. in that space. Okay. But you don't need to be. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's your most treasured possession? My wife and my dog. Well, I'm not possession. I'm sorry. I'm a possession <laughs> of theirs. Let me rephrase okay, that. Okay, right, yeah. Um, what about physical things? Are there any items of clothing that you're particularly fond of that are sentimental to you? No. You've got a very distinctive collar pin. I do. Yeah. Is that very special to you? Just style. Just style. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, certainly that. Yeah. Um, is there a book you most often recommend to people? Uh, aside from your own? Although we uh, can my include fans, that. not customers. The Steve Jobs book is very good. Good to Great is a great book, which says your company can't be great if you're happy with good. Okay. Um, those are the ones that come to my mind yeah. now. Do you have a personal motto in business or in life? <laughs> Hope is not a plan. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to take that. It's very good. And then finally, before we leave, what's your idea of, of perfect happiness, Vernon? I'm not sure I have any idea of perfect happiness. You seem like a very happy man at all times. People are happy when they succeed at things. Okay, and you've certainly succeeded. And people that succeeded things usually have fun doing it. Yeah, that's very true. Well, I hope you had fun doing the podcast. Thank you I'm very much. I'm now off to sign up to a Metro Bank. 
Thank you, Cal. Don't leave this building before you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's for <laughs> my you, customers. Thank you, Thank you very you. much, Ben. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight with more invaluable insights from the world of entrepreneurs. But until then, you can find us on our website, which is www.thegentlemansjournal.com. Or if you're so inclined, follow us on Instagram at The Gents Journal or indeed on Twitter at The Gents Journal. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you very, very soon.